Hi, welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's your host, Michael Lane, back to you with another lesson in our podcast series we're doing on why are there so many translations? And today we're taking a look at one of my favorite translations. This one is the English Standard Version, commonly called the ESV. It's a newer translation. Um, it is was developed by Crossway Publishers in 2001. They did a little edit in 2007. Another um, edit in 2011 and now they've done the latest the later one was in 2016. Um, the version I'm using is the 2011 version. Uh, it's the one I have the most of. I have like three or four copies of this at different places in the house because I use this one a lot. And as we've been doing with all these different translations as we talk about why they were made, um, what was the purpose, what's the problems with them, what type of translation is it, the pros and cons and looking and comparing different passages. We're going to continue with that, that style as we do this. And I'm going to, first of all, read Psalm 23, which is what we've been doing as an introduction for each one of these lessons. We're going to read Psalm 23 together here. You can follow along if you have your Bible, whatever translation you're using, but I'll be reading this one out of the English Standard. So this is how the English Standard uh, Psalm 23 reads. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's our familiar passage that we see, and it just easily uh, understood the Psalm 23 here of David. Very easy to understand. And because of that, you can see the readability on this was pretty easy. And as I've run readability tests on this, it usually comes out around a grade seven, um, though more like a 7.4 to about a 7.9. Because it's more in the upper range of the 7, um, I I generally, when people ask me what's the readability, I usually just say grade 8, anybody in grade 8. But actually, grade 7, grade 8, it's about the same. Um, so it's a very easy translation to read. Anybody in high school should be able to read this, and many middle school students should be able to read this with with um, with ease. Now, what type of translation is this? The English Standard Version is a formal translation. It, it is predominantly a word-for-word -word translation. Now, what I mean by that, to compare it to a really word-for-word, -word, like the New American Standard, the NASB, that has a collegiate reading level because they followed the language so carefully, predicates and stuff were moved around, and it's difficult to understand. They basically have taken that type of translation. Uh, they didn't take the uh, New American Standard in doing this. Actually, they used the Revised Standard Version as a basis. But what they did is they tried to do a word for word, but put it in an easier to understand English, modern English. 
So because that, I, I call it predominantly a word for word, or it really is basically a word for word or formal translation. Um, and because it's going word for word, it's pretty accurate. The purpose, why, why do we have this one? Why did Crossway, the publishers of this uh, translation, why did they even feel they had to make one of these? Well, their whole purpose was to give average readers the most readable and accurate word for word translation that they could make. They wanted something that was word for word. And some of the word for words like New King James was based primarily on the Texas Receptus um, translation. They wanted to use more ancient documents, more manuscript evidence, take what's all available out there and compare it. But in doing so, they wanted to make it readable. And so they took the, the language and broke it down into a very simple English, but trying to keep it as close to word for word as possible as they did this. So, as I said, it was translated from the uh, very scholarly accepted revised standard Bible. Now, I've mentioned this in, in another lesson on the new revised standard. The revised standard Bible is considered by many Bible scholars as one of the best translations. Matter of fact, many Bible scholars in prominent universities that I know personally, this is the Bible that they often teach out of. And uh, the Revised Standard Version here, I'm talking about the Revised Standard Bible. Um, so that was used because of its acceptance in the scholarly world, in academia. The uh, editorial team that put this together used that one as a basis, but that's not what they translated from. They just used it as a base. And they wanted to make a keep this a formal translation and on a low readability, as we said. So using the revised standard as a base, 14 primary scholars, in addition to over 100 additional scholars um, from various denominations around the world, studied as many ancient texts as possible and older versions of the of the Bible to create this translation. So they used like the Masoretic text, they used the Nova Testama, uh, Testamentum uh, Graeca, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and hundreds hundreds of other manuscripts. And they relied very, very heavily, and this is a key thing about it, they relied upon the original languages, the Hebrew, the Greek, the Chaldean, uh, or Aramaic. They, they relied on those languages primarily as they made this translation. That's a little different than some of the other ones that we've talked about. Now, what's so unique about the English Standard Version? This version is one of the most readable of any word-for-word -word translation you're gonna come across. Most formals have a very high reading level. This one does not, though it's, it, it, its literary style still conforms to much of the ancient languages. It's just that it's done in a lower reading level. Now, you're going to see also that that unique feature is going to come back as being one of the problems with it. A second unique feature that we'll mention here is scholars tried to follow the original scriptures as absolutely close as possible, yet, as I say, tried to retain an easy-to-read Bible. In doing so, they specifically maintained, and this was a major part of it, a non-denominational take on the scriptures, allowing the reader to decide what God meant. You see, there are some translations that do just the opposite. They're sort of based on certain trans, uh, certain denominations, and they sort of, uh, and these thought-for-thought -thought translations can sometimes 
you get the editors of uh, and the scholars who are putting the translation together sort of telling you what they believe God is saying here. By doing this word-for-word -word method, they are not doing this. They're giving you the words and allowing the reader to say uh, or try to prayerfully consider what God is actually saying here. So that is one of the unique features that you find in this type of a Bible, particularly the CSV. But as I say, there's some problems with that. And speaking about the denominations, one problem that I hear frequently when I've gone to places to speak, um, I will sometimes, because I often use the ESV when I'm talking with adults or I'm talking with high school age. Um, sometimes with middle school, I'll use it also. Um, but I have used this in, in PowerPoints and things and, and reading passages. And I've had, on a couple of occasions, I've been someplace where some people who are Arminian in particular, Arminian groups will claim that the ESV is too Calvinistic and should not be used. They say that when I've questioned, I remember the first time I got, I got hit with this, I said, what do you mean? They said, too many of the passages, particularly dealing with predestination, are written from a Calvinistic view um, and, uh, instead of an Arminian view. And that's really interesting considering the editorial team putting together the ESV consisted of various denominations, uh, including Arminians and even non-Protestants. Uh, there were several Catholics um, that were on this committee also. So to say that this is a Calvinistic Bible, which is what sometimes I hear, I don't agree with that. Um, but nonetheless, that is one of the problems that some, some Arminians, not everybody, there are, I've been to Arminian churches that they use the ESV, um, but some places they struggle with this because they call it the Calvinistic Bible. I think it's sort of ridiculous, but that's their view, and they're entitled to that. Um, a second problem is one I just mentioned before about the readability. Even though it's made on a readability level of grade eight, shall we say, some adults I have found find this still, the English in the uh, ESV, the way the grammar is put together, it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's not as flowing as some of the thought-for-thought -thought translations. Um, these dynamic translations or a paraphrase. And there's a reason for that. It's because they're trying to follow the word-for-word -word text. So grammatically, it's structured a little differently due to the editors trying to follow this formal way of translating. For some, its language does not resonate with all readers. In other words, I've, I have some people, um, some very dear friends of mine, people I greatly respect, um, and, and Bible teachers and stuff that they don't care for the ESV because they say it's not the easiest thing to understand. Well, I don't have a problem with it because you probably can tell by my grammar as I speak, I'm sort of informal in the way that I do things. And I sometimes have a, a foreign um, type of English background in, in talking and stuff. So I don't have the problem with it. And, but there have been some who have come up and told me that, that it just they, they say, we like the translation, we think it's accurate, but the way that it's read, the way you read it, it's just not for me, is what I often hear. Anyway, as we're um, outside of that, those are about the only problems I've ever come across in, in hearing from people or even studying this myself. Let's take a look at how it reads on a very structured um, doctrinal statement. This is going to be Titus 2, 11 through 13, which we're reading in each one of these lessons, the same passage. You can get a take on what it says, um, these different translations say. So, because it's, and again, I picked this because it is such a strong doctrinal statement. 
Titus 2, 11-13 in English Standard reads, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we've looked at some of these other word-for-word translations, you're going to see there's not a lot of difference in this. Uh, Doctrinally, they're all following the same thing. Let me just add a couple little comments like I often do before I close here um, about the ESV. For one, the editorial team that put this together, they used some very, very famous um, Bible scholars and evangelists. J.I. Packer, if you're familiar with him, famous author. Um, Wayne Grudem is another one. Alistair Begg, who has a radio program, very well pop, um, listened to and popular um, uh, evangelist. John Piper um, is another one. R.C. Sproul, the late R.C. Sproul, was another one. And, and they used many others from various countries and denominations to put this together. The ESV is considered, I believe, it's a very accurate translation. Now, like I say, I don't think there's any translation that's going to say like exactly what God said in the original. We don't have the originals. So there are sometimes I they, I think they could have used a better word here from the Greek or from the Hebrew. But um, it's it's still what I consider a very accurate translation. So if you desire to study Scripture in their truest meanings um, and have it at a reading level that is not collegiate, the English Standard Version is an excellent source. Uh, Some of the paragraph headings are not as accurate as you will find in the New American Standard, but it does follow the oldest manuscripts in most points. Personally, I use the ESV frequently, as I've already mentioned. I use it frequently when I speak, and and this is one of the primary Bibles that I use as a personal Bible study. It's one of my primary Bibles. I often use it when I speak for groups, and, and I often recommend it to people, especially the English Standard Study Bible. Um, that is my primary Bible when I go to church. That's usually the one I'm carrying, and I sit and take notes and stuff, and I, I like reading that. But that is one of my standard Bibles. So if you're going to be doing a Bible study and you really want to get into the Word of God, this is a Bible I highly recommend that you take a look at and that you study. It's a great Bible. I don't think uh, many people have a whole lot of problems with what's, what is uh, what is written in it, and I think you'll really find, uh, um, if you prayerfully um, consider what's here and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you as you read um, this Bible, I think he will teach you a lot. It's a great Bible. It's a great purchase. If you haven't got one, I highly recommend it. And no, I'm not getting any kickback from that. But That's it for the English Standard Version. I hope you'll join us again um, when the next uh, podcast on this comes out as we look at, as we keep going through 20 major uh, translations, paraphrases, and et cetera, to see, you know, what's a good Bible and why are there so many translations? Now you see why this one was put together and what their purpose was. So until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to our donors who make this program possible. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give or use the links in the description. Don't forget to leave a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.